Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. We are back again at the Screen the Screener Podcast two days in a row. And the reason we are two days in a row, everyone, is because if you go to iTunes and you type in college basketball, this podcast, the Screen the Screener Podcast, is now number three. We've been doing this for seven shows. We are now number three, only behind NBC and CBS. And that's because you must like what myself, Mike Randall, and Gus Kearns are doing. Gus, how you doing? We're great, Mike Randall. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good morning. To all the listeners out there that have put us up the ratings, top five, thank you so much for consuming the Screen the Screener podcast, however you decide to put it in your ears. We're really thankful for you guys um, letting us spread some knowledge onto you and widening your view of the college basketball landscape. And Gus and I just love staying in touch with all of you. So remember, go to iTunes, subscribe, rate us on iTunes, five stars if you will. You can find us on Stitcher. You can rate us there. Tune in radio. You can contact the show on Twitter at SDS Podcast, and many of you have. We'll get to that in a moment. Or you can reach us at Gmail uh, at SDS uh, Podcast at gmail.com. Myself at Fantasy Warrior Mike, FTSY Warrior Mike, and Gus at at C Kearns, C-K-E-A-R-N-S-12 on Twitter. So folks, thank you for the support. You love the show. We're scalding hot. We're a snowball in the winter that has momentum. We are number three. And in our crosshairs, Gus, the Peacock and CBS, we're coming for you. I believe the Northeast just got a lot of snow. So, I mean, let's just let's just roll along with that with that foot of snow that they got. I mean, let's 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 roll it here. Thank you, listeners, so much for for giving us some props and and and, and putting us in your earbuds uh, or on your commute on the way to work. Uh, we're so appreciative, and uh, we really love doing it for you guys. So, um, so you know, thank you, thank you for giving back to us. We're we're very thankful. Hopefully, you had a chance last night to listen to the interview, everyone, that I did with Eric Fawcett from Press Basketball. Uh, Tremendous. A great, great guy came on the podcast. We talked about so many different things. And, and, and of course, Gus, he had a chance to talk to us about his wedding vows, which are now viral. I mean, he, he could be going around the circuit. He could, he, he could be on television very soon. And he was kind enough to give the first interview to the Screen the Screener podcast. Yeah, he was so kind. I mean, we we had been in touch with Eric, and, and I think the coolest thing about his wedding vows is is that he he sported the Kobe's. Uh, I mean, he, yes. like, he could have went a bunch of different directions, but he sported Kobe's, and, and the vows themselves were unbelievably thoughtful, um, uh, completely sports related. And if you're a basketball junkie and a vagabond uh, like us, I mean, you you kind of just keyed into that, and you were like, "Whoa, really? Wow, I can't. What he just said? What?" and the the part about the honeymoon too was was really revealing. I, I love that they're going to get away and uh, taking some Gator basketball. Yeah, great guy. We wish him all the best on his on his new nuptials, and uh, we're going to have Eric on again talk some great basketball, some knowledge. We covered so many things, big teams, small teams, the whole thing. But uh, since you said uh, whoa. I feel, Gus, that's the perfect uh, sort of move into our, our first segment. And uh, the, the readers have told us they like the three like segment. So uh, uh, the listeners and, and the people have emailed us. So let's do, uh, let's do some three likes. Are, are you ready? I think I'm ready. Are, I'm ready for my likes. Uh, are you ready to give uh, some prognostications? And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how I like it. 
Good or bad? Oh, I'm ready. So for those of us who don't remember or listening for the first time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give three predictions to Gus. And Gus is either going to say, like, whoa, meaning, uh, whoa, that's that's good, but I like it. Likewise, which means he totally agrees, totally likewise agrees with me. Like, whoa, is kind of, I like it, but it's bold. And then like what means he does not know, he does not agree with me at all, thinks I have no idea what I'm talking about with this prediction. So it's going to be likewise, like woe, or like what. And he did this last time. I got my three. You ready? Totally ready. Bring it on, Mike Randall. All right. So the first like that I'm going to give you, tell the tell fans likewise, like woe, or like what, I'm saying as a prediction, the Villanova Wildcats will not mm. win the Big East. What do you think? Ooh. I'm going to say, like, whoa. Definitely a, like, whoa. If you are not going to pick the defending champions to win their own conference with three starters back, I have to give you a, like, whoa on that. Uh, we know we've talked about uh, Xavier and Creighton and how strong they've looked in the early part of the season. But still, like, whoa on this. What is your defense, Mike Randall? Well, you, you didn't go like what? So you don't think I'm totally nuts. So I, I take this as a marginal win. Listen, Villanova is very good. Uh, they went into Purdue. They won in Purdue. That was a really nice win. Great win. A, a, and they're going to carry through just on the success, the great guard play, Jay Wright, the whole thing. But they are weak inside. Uh, Reynolds is the key player for them. He's always been in foul trouble. I feel like you watch Villanova. He's got two fouls before you're even six minutes into the game. Um, boots a little banged up. Uh, they are playing in a tough conference. It's really that I love Xavier and Creighton more so than I have a problem with Villanova. And okay. listen, last defending back-to-back champs, right, was Florida. I think it was 2006, 2007, something like that. Yes, um, so, shout, shout out to Eric Fawcett. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, well, there you go. But I, I, I just think that Xavier, Creighton, they're tough places to play. It's always good to be a little hungrier. You know, Gus, it's always good to be Clubber Lang and not Rocky standing by the statue when Clubber came up. And so I see Xavier and Creighton coming up, you know, doing the pull-ups while Villanova's sure. taking the pictures with Jay Wright, the Armani suit, the whole thing. So wow. I'm go- listen, Villanova's going to be great. I don't have him going to the Final Four. There's a prediction for you. And I don't have him winning the Big East. Okay, so I, again, like woe on this, um, I see and feel – your admiration for both Xavier and Creighton. I also completely understand um, the foul trouble that you're speaking about with Reynolds. Um, but I think I think it's a like, whoa. I, um, the one part I can get on board with you here with is much like the Big 12, where it's a true round robin and everybody gets a fair shot at each other's home court. It always goes down where there's going to be that team that is desperate on the bubble that needs that big win against whether it be Kansas in the Big 12 or whether it be Villanova in the Big East, and 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 they're susceptible to that. So I think I think you're I think you're on the right track here, but I'm not totally buying it. It's fair enough, and and, and it's reasonable. It's a little bold, but I didn't get a a, a like what from you, so I'll take it. Okay, se- second one. Second prediction, two non-traditional power teams, traditional powerhouse teams, two of them will make the final four. What do you say? You know what I'm going to go here? I'm going to say like what? Okay. All right. (laughs) I'm going to say like what because I can buy one, but I don't know if I'm going to buy two. Okay. 
um, when we go into our final four picks in, in a smidge here, um, I think we'll each represent uh, this non-traditional power team pick um, with the freedom of movement, the higher scoring, um, and just the uh, 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 the median being a little bit more baseline and flatlined across the nation as far as play goes. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a one loss tournament. So if you lose once, you're done. So I, I, I totally can feel this. But I think if you have five NBA players on the court, it's a, it's got to be a like what. Okay. Um, that's it, that's fair. It's a like, it's a like what for me. I want to hear your rationale here. So go ahead and spit it out to us. Sure. I, I know that they're in the Big East, but like a team like Creighton, I, mm-hmm. I, I know that's a power conference, but I don't mm-hmm. think if Creighton makes the tournament, oh, they're a Big East team. You know, no, we're not talking about Syracuse, St. John's, Georgetown. Okay, you know, from '85, it's not what we're talking about here. Not your, not your traditional, right? So if Creighton's in, uh, spoiler alert, they may be in, uh, and a team like a Northern Iowa, Xavier, St. Mary's, Dayton, Gonzaga, Rhode Island, all of those teams in my mind can definitely make the Final Four. So if you add them in with Creighton and two of them make it. I think that's a huge upset. I know we just get Kentucky's going to be in because I have thirty-five players who are McDonald's All-Americans. <laughs> I, I, okay, fine. Duke's in because they're Duke. Really? Well, 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 Duke lost to Lehigh in the first round a few years ago to C.J. McCollum. Oh, Mike Randall, but C.J. McCollum's an all all-star in the NBA. Really? Before that game tipped off and you were Buffalo Wild Wings, anyone out there thinking C.J. McCollum is going to shock Duke right now? So let's not go back ex post facto and tell me that you knew Lehigh was going to beat Duke. Um, I just think the tide's turning in college basketball. Yeah, Kentucky looks great. Um, Duke is going to be great, even though they've stumbled a little bit. Duke was a 27-7 and team that year. They were two-seed when they lost to Lehigh in 2012. So my okay. point is, I'm telling you, Kentucky's going to have 52 wins in the regular season. We know that. Fine. Okay? But when you get to the tournament, it's a one-game tournament, man. This is why we love this. Uh, I, it could have, could C.J. McCollum this year be Scoochie Smith? Could it be sure. E.C. E. Matthews? Sure. Could it be Jock Landale? Yes, Could it be Ka- Calvin Hermanson? All true. And that's really what it is. I think these teams are, are very strong, but they're all going to have to play each other. And, and I think at some point, you know, whether you're UCLA, you're Kentucky, you're Duke, you're UNC, the bracket's not going to be set up that they're all playing mid-major teams and then they're all in the Elite A's. It's not going to happen that way. And I think somebody can sneak in. You didn't, nobody thought Wichita State was going to make a couple years ago, and they did. That's my, my rationale. I still go like what on this, but I love the list of teams and the list of players that you just rattled off. Um, all of those guys, I would love to see in the tournament upsetting any one of those blue blood teams. Um, you know what else I heard in your rationale there? Yep. I heard that you think that, like these blue blood teams, these big time teams, these traditional teams, like they might lose early this year. They well, might. It might not be like a Sweet Sixteen knockout. They like they might lose in the first or second round. That's kind of what I heard as well. You're you're listening very well, my friend. You are because that leads me into my third like, my third and last one. Okay, okay. My third like. So Gus, give me the the likewise, the like well, or the like what? The Iowa State Cyclones will be upset in the first round of the NCAA tournament. What do you got? Oh man, you know I'm gonna go off script here. Okay, I know this isn't one of our original likes, but I'm gonna go like schmlike. 
Okay, we're going to give a little shout-out to Wilco Schmilko, great new album by them. Um, big shout to the greatest American rock and roll band going right now. Um, yeah, like Schmlike. I know that they lost to your guys, um, uh, and, and George Niang came back after that loss for his senior season just to prove some people wrong after that first-round knockout. Um but I, I just think Monte Morris is just too talented. We, we've gone, you know, we've said a number of times on this podcast that guards are going to win in March. And between uh, Monte Morris, uh, Naz Long, Matt Thomas, I think that there's too much good guard play there for them to fall prey to the early upset. Maybe the 32, around a 32 upset, but I don't think the first round upset. I think if you have an All American on your team, um, I know Denzel lost last year. I know I, I know what I'm saying here, um, but I think if you have a great point guard on your team and a, an All American on your team like Monte Morris, I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna happen. So I'm gonna go again a little bit off script and go like Schmike. Okay, I, and listen, most people agree with you. And Morris has had a great start to the year. Um, you, you know, we disagree on that, and, and, but Drop, certainly uh, dropped the, double the other day. Yeah, no, yeah, he, he's had a tremendous start to the season. A lot of this, it's really based on two things. First off, when a new coach comes in and replacing Fred Hoiberg, the mayor in Iowa State, was very difficult. So Steve sure. Prom comes in from Murray State. Okay, they were in trouble last year. There was rumors: is he going to get fired? Then they got hot. They took off, and they had a good rest of the year. I have just found in my experience in sports that the second year of a new coach is often very, very rocky. You remember Coach K, I think it was year three, year two or three, they were going to fire him. I mean, I know I'm going back in time, but yeah. they lost a lot. And if you look at the Cyclones and how they have done in the Big 12 and in the postseason for the last five years, let me rattle it off for you here, okay? Okay, let's hear it. 2012, their Big 12 record was 12-6. and six. They advanced to the round of 32. Not a huge advance. That's That's one win. Next year, 2013, they're 11 and 7. Okay, solid, not great. Mm-hmm. Round of 32. Again, yeah. one game and done. 2014, that's the good year, 11 and 7 in conference, but they made the Sweet 16. Okay, that's the year you and I both really liked them a lot. They had the Niang injury. Okay, I think it was. You know, I get it. In the UNC game, correct. Yes. Uh, 2015, lost in the first round. Okay, yep. 12 and 6, lost in the first round, even with a tremendous, tremendous team, right? And last year, 2016, they were 10 and 8. They made Sweet 16. This is what I take from this. Even when they're loaded with DeAndre, Wrath of Kane, and George Niang. Love DeAndre. They weren't getting that far. This is not a team that is like Elite 8, Sweet 16. Elite 8, Sweet 16. It's not happening. And, and their records in the Big 12 are always sort of, meet, you know, okay, but not great. 12 and 6, 11 and 7, 11 and 7, 12 and 6, 10 and 8. So I see them staring squarely at a 5 seat. Five-ish seed, five, four, six, somewhere in there, and you those are the seeds right into. that tend to get upset. So listen, yep. I don't know who they're going to play, man. And listen, they could end up winning the Big Twelve and just telling me, you know, enough. Monte Morris could email the show. Please, Monte, email the show at sdspodcast at gmail <laughs> But I just when they're scalding hot and we love them, they don't go that far. They don't play a lot of defense. They're in a tough conference. Therefore, they're going to be a four-five seed, which means we're going to be sitting there saying, you know, a five always loses to a twelve. And I'm picking it right now. It's Iowa State. Wow. You know what? Now that you lay it out that way, that sounds like a logical roadmap. I I, I, I may I may renege on my like schmike, but I'm going to stick with it. Um, for just, just strictly out of my my pure love for Monte Morris and how he plays. Um, 
Uh, do you want to get into? Uh, do you want to go for your? Do you want to get? You want to do some final four selections? Yeah. So Gus and I will. That sounds great. Gus and I will do our final yeah. four selections now. And and clearly already we've realized from our our, our fans of the show that I'm going to draw the wrath of a lot of you. Um, and that's fine. Okay, that's fine. So I, I'd like to 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 start with mine, and I'll, I'll do one. We'll alternate, Gus. How's that sound? That sounds fine. All right. I, I, so, I, li- I like the ping pong effect. Yeah, so listen, uh, uh, one of our, our emailers seems to be a loyal listener, although he, he's, he's a bit of a contrarian, uh, King Mark from Florida. All right, so King Mark has been contacting us saying, how's that Oregon pick doing for the final four? Doesn't look too good, huh? So sure. let, me, let me tell you, King Mark, what I think you are. You are the guy who emails his friends in the first quarter of the game when it's like 10 to 4, and you text, uh-oh, that's what you do. You are just a trash talker that has to have first half, first part of the season trash talk. So, no, I'm not concerned. And I know they lost, and I know Dylan Brooks needed to hit a three today to beat Tennessee, Gus. Uh, but no, th- this is going to take time. They lost one of the best players and a first-team All-American, future that is, uh, from their team. So mm-hmm. I have Oregon in the final four. Dylan Brooks played 13 minutes in that game against Georgetown and had eight points. Yeah. So for Mark King Mark from Florida, it's not like he was back. Okay, it's eight minutes. All right. Uh, Dorsey hasn't shot well. Boucher, Dylan Ennis is going to play better. He can fill it up. He did so for Villanova at times. And Dane Altman's a great coach. Um, all the Villanova fans I knew, Gus, from last year said, oh, we just can't, we can't beat Oklahoma. There's no way we can beat Oklahoma because we lost to them on the on the on the aircraft carrier four months earlier. People yep. tend to overreact to the early season. Uh, this game's in Maui, okay? So it's a little bit of a different situation. I know that that Georgetown had the bad loss to Arkansas State. I understand that, but last year at this time on December, I think it was December fifth, Gus, UNC lost to Northern Iowa. Sure so did. So I bet. You know, uh, King Mark was saying, uh-oh, to all his North Carolina friends at that time. Um, you, know, you know what happened quickly after that, too? They also lost to Texas. That's right. I- exactly. So early season. And, and listen, they're going to adjust without Dylan Brooks. It's going to be a, a time for them to have to work through it. But last year, Syracuse lost to Georgetown. Um, you know, Sy- early, early. Syracuse lost to a lot of people early. A lot of people early. Um, so they didn't have Brooks. He just came back. Long plane ride to Maui. So I, I say that's weak sauce from, from King Mark from Florida. And I'm weak sauce. <laughs> and I'm going Oregon oh. is going to the final four. That's my first team. I don't I don't have a really big problem with that. I think my um I I, I love your your logic here and I, I love the comparison um and the parallel between uh UNC last year making the final game and having some trouble early with some live teams. It's not like Texas and, and Northern Iowa weren't live teams last year, both making the tournament. Um, but I, I do like that parallel. And I really, I, I do think later on in the season, this is going to be way in the rearview mirror for all Oregon Duck fans. Um, and when they're really ramping up in the Pac-12, I'm, I'm kind of with you on this. Uh, I'm going to go to my first Final Four pick. And I'm just going to go tried and true. I'm going with one of the Blue Bloods. Um, I am picking UNC to get back this year, even with losing Paige and uh, uh, who's the nice power forward uh, and Bryce Johnson. Yep. Uh, even losing Paige and Bryce Johnson, I think that they're going to make it back. I love where Joel Berry's at right now. Um, I, I think Justin Jackson is ready to take his next step. Um, 
I love the 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 tripod um, of big men down there with uh, Meeks, Hicks, and Tony Bradley. I think they just ha- we haven't even seen um, uh, we haven't even seen Seventh Woods or, or their other freshmen yet really to play big minutes. So I think once those guys get integrated into the rotation, you know everybody Roy is going to put on the floor is going to be an athlete and is going to contribute. There's going to be no uh, people that take up space. And I really feel that now that UNC is kind of over the sanction things, I think everybody just did like a big sigh and just had like a big deep breath and just like felt that like they could just start over anew. And I think that that like uh, that, that, that renewed outlook and, and everybody just kind of like letting go of that tension, I, I think they're just going to roll right back to the Final Four again this year. I, I really love what the Tar Heels bring. And we, you know, we've said a number of times that guards win. You got Nate Britt and you got Joel Berry the second back there running around like their hair is on fire. Um, and they are just an impossible guard. They're an impossible uh, – they're in your shorts on defense. And they're going to run up and down the court like mayhem and put up 80-plus points every game. I, I love UNC, especially with the, the freedom of movement rules that have been in play and everybody putting up 100 points. I really love when UNC can do. And if all comes to – you know, if, if worse comes to worse, they can chuck it down on the block to those three big guys and get results from them. So I, I love where the Tar Heels are going this year. I love their start to the year. I think I'm, I'm calling a repeat to the Final Four for the North Carolina Tar Heels. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a great one. Old Roy, I love that line. Old Roy's got some players. Old Roy's got players every year. Those guys are back. There was some article I saw today on ESPN, I think it was, that Justin Jackson is soft or somebody's like, why is, you know, okay, that's, you know what he's going to do? Now he's going to go out and start throwing dunks down on the break from Joe Barry the second for that. So uh, that's a really reasonable uh, choice. No, no, no issue for me. Makes sense. Um, So I'll just comment on that soft comment. What's wrong with having a, a mid-range game? Right. That's where that comment comes from. God forbid he doesn't have a mid-range game. Um, and I kind of can't wait to hear your second uh, Final Four pick. Yeah, well, we're going to th- yeah, we're gonna go and stick with what my second like was. Uh, we're going with Creighton. All right? Um, every team you see in the Final Four, Gus, is going to have strong guard play, right? So we're talking about Maurice Watson Jr. and Marcus Foster are as good as they come. So Watson and Foster are a phenomenal backcourt. That is not a just a good, small, mid-major team backcourt, okay? That is a nationally ranked backcourt. Um, they set the Paradise Jam record with 112 points in the win over North Carolina State. Um, similar to St. Mary's, right? They don't want to hear this mid-major thing anymore, so they're focused. Uh, they only had one player last year average more than 10 points. Per, uh, per game um, and already have four players over 10 points. So Greg McDermott's doing a great job. They struggled. Job. Yeah, for the job. They struggled in conference the last two years. They finished tied for, for last in 2015 in, in the Big East and then six in 2016. But they're already ranked in the top 25. They're ready to battle. And let me just remind you about Marcus Foster because he, Gus, that is really the key to this pick. Yeah, this, we, we, we've talked about him before on prior podcasts, and we, we're huge fans of Mark, Mark, Marcus Foster. Just a couple quick things about him. He was averaging 14 points a game in 28 minutes when he was at Kansas State for two years. Now, that's the Big 12. We're talking about a, a major conference there. Um, he averaged 12.5 points a game as a sophomore. Uh, he hit two game-winning three-pointers to beat Oklahoma, who was ranked 
in the final five seconds twice when he was there, once in Oklahoma and once home. That is a critical because when you're talking about these smaller schools, when they need an upset, it's going to be who's going to make the big shot down the stretch, right? They have that guy. Uh, Maurice Watson could do it too, absolutely, but they have that guy. Um, he was he was all Big 12 second team. He pumped in 34 against Texas once, so he can he can explode. Um, he had 10 or more points in 47 of 62 career games there and 12 games of 20 or more points. So 12 games of 20 or more points as a freshman and a sophomore in the Big 12, and that guy's going to Creighton at the, he's loaded. Um, he's averaging 18 points a game right now. Sophomore Kyrie Thomas, he's 14 points. And then Maurice Watson, who could be the best player, right? 12.6 and nine assists a game. And by the yeah. way, they also have the seven-footer Justin Patton. As King Mark from Florida would say, uh-oh, Creighton is going to the Final Four. Wow. I love this selection of Creighton getting to the Final Four. I'm really, really enjoying that you went out on a limb like this. That is that that it, it's really making my next Final Four pick unbelievably pedestrian, um, and I feel I feel a little bit lesser saying that Kentucky is going to be my other Final Four pick. Yeah, maybe you're just smarter, my friends. Um, I, <laughs> I, I I feel like it's a little bit of a letdown for the listeners. I'm sorry, listeners. I'm I'm sorry, Mike Randall. Um, I'm sorry, Screen the Screener podcast loyalists. Um, I'm going to pick Kentucky for the pure reason that I think their backcourt. Um, is going to be the best freshman backcourt that we've seen in years, maybe ever, in NCAA basketball. And uh, again, we talked about the intangibles that Briscoe is going to bring to this team uh, in the locker room, in the huddle, uh, on the practice floor. Um, He's going to hold people accountable for the small things. Uh, And you know what they're going to do, too? And I think uh, Eric Fawcett mentioned this a lot um, on his interview, is they're going to just defend like they have athletes to defend at every single position. Um, and as much as we've talked about the freedom of motion and the, the big points that are going to get put up, um, defense is still going to be one of the trump cards along with rebounding. And if Monk can just continue to shoot it straight, uh, similar to how Murray did and how the Harrison boys did a few years ago, I, I, I think once they get rolling – Man, they are, I think they're just going to steamroll some people in this tournament, and I really think that they're going to steamroll the SEC and just come in like kind of like a, kind of like a house on fire, and they're going to be really tough to contain along on the offensive end, but also I think they're really going to get in some people's shorts and, and, and defend them defend the dickens out of them. Um, so, I, I, again, I feel like it's a little bit of a letdown. It's not that exciting. Um, but I'm going to go two major blue bloods, UNC and Kentucky. Um, not as exciting as your first two Final Four picks. No, listen, I, listen. I, I thought to myself, I said, maybe I should put Kentucky in there. They are loaded. Monk is exploding. I get it. I, I just will still stick to this even though – and Cal has been a master of it. So Calipari's done it better than anyone occasionally Gus freshmen act like freshmen and no one's done it better than him. I understand that. And listen, if they didn't get underseeded and had to play Indiana, you know, they may have made the final four last year again. I, I just, at some point, I think the seniors are going to come through. I'd love to see Creighton, Kentucky. I'd love to see the game in, in like a sweet 16 Ooh. elite eight. It'd be tremendous. They, they, the over under would be 5,000. Um, you know, Foster would want to have like a million points. I just think sometimes the youth. But listen, if Kentucky made it, it makes a lot of sense. And, and, and certainly that was one that, that obviously had strong consideration. We haven't even seen him lose. I mean, I, I get it. You know, so it's fair. 
Uh, I, I kind of want to hear your next two. Um, but give let, me yours. Give me your next one. Uh, all right. So my next one is a little exciting, and I have a little reasoning behind it. You know what? This year it's finally going to happen. He's going to get the monkey off of his back. Not that there's a monkey there or there needs to be one or there needs to be anything said about this to validate anybody's career or success. But Gonzaga that a and boy. the that a, That's what I want to hear. Good are, job. Are going to finally get that final four bird. That a boy. Well done. And here's how it's going to happen. They're going to lose the WCC regular season to St. Mary's. Quite the teaser, might I add, for my next pick. But go ahead. <laughs> and and they're you know they're 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 going to come in a little bit under the radar. St. Mary's has all of their uh, starting five back. Um, Gonzaga's big men inside. The two freshmen are going to come around by season's end to really help out um, to really help out the the mountain of a man um, that they have inside. Uh, Jonathan Williams is really going to start to find his spot as like that, like honest old school power forward. Uh, they have Nigel William Goss, the transfer from Washington, and Wes Matthews, a transfer from Cal, in the backcourt. Um, and that's they're really capable back there. Um, and then they have a whole bunch of those like Gonzaga lifer guys that they can plug into those spots that are going to defend, pass the ball, not turn it over, be really efficient, um, run the offense efficiently, and plug the holes defensively. So I think Gonzaga is going to do it. They're going to get there. It's going to be like this mini celebration for the Zags. And um, Mark Few is just going to be smiling the entire time because – Initially, he'll be a little down about not winning the regular season, but when they show up in the Final Four to play UNC or Kentucky, um, it, it, everybody's going to congratulate them. It, it's going to be like uh, you know they're going to they're gonna be like the, the the person that everybody was so glad that somebody invited to the party, and they finally you know found a ride to the party. Um, so I think Gonzaga, I think this is the year that they're going to get there. I, I, lo- I love it. I think it's a tremendous pick. I'm almost rooting for your pick to beat my next pick, which is going to be St. Mary's. So we're on CC Repress. The old, the old right church, wrong pew, right? All right. Okay. My, my, the logic is very similar to your Gonzaga logic. Uh, The expectations are the highest they've ever been in St. Mary's. They got all five of their starters back and they set a school record last year with 29 wins or 29 and six. Okay. Emmett Nahr, Jock Landell, Calvin Hermanson, they're all juniors. This team will get over 30 wins. You can lock that up right now. Okay, so now we're talking about a team with 30 wins. It's time for St. Mary's. It's time, guys, to take the next step. The step's been made by Butler. I feel like it's been made by Gonzaga. You outlined it perfectly. The Gales don't want the mid anymore. They want to be a major, and that is going to happen this year. They were ranked in the AP preseason poll, guys, for the first time in school history, and they got all five starters back. Uh, Landell is 6'11". Uh, he's the big man in the middle. The Australian recruiting pipeline is yep. is, is alive and well for Coach for Coach Bennett. Uh, Calvin Hermans in the Southpaw looked great in the big win oh. at Dayton recently. Um, he's him. he's forty four percent from behind the three point line. I love Emmett Nar. You know that um, big win at Dayton. If, if Gus, if they survive the road game at Stanford, okay, at Stanford, they're going to be sixteen and zero before they play at Gonzaga. Uh, you can right. take that to the bank. And that's a big game then. 
They could be 16-0 and if they win that game at Stanford. Um, they're going to be a top 15 team all season long. Oh, and by the way, right now they're ranked number 15 as we speak in both the AP and the USA Today coaches poll. So that game at Stanford that you mentioned, I mean, we'll get to some of our, we'll get to a few fishy lines later. You know what's going to happen? They're going to be favored on the road at that game. Yeah, sick. That, that, that's what's going to happen. Like, I, I, I don't see any other reason why they wouldn't be. Um, and this is no slight on Stanford or the Cardinal. Um, I think this is just speaking to how well St. Mary's is, is going to be playing, rolling into that game, and how smooth that offensive machine is going to be rolling. I love your St. Mary's Gale pick. You have Creighton and St. Mary's. I mean, can we please spread the West Coast love? You have St. Mary's and Oregon in your final four. West Coast baby. And St. Mary's, Gonzaga, Creighton. Here's my point, everyone. You're going to tell me it can't happen. Really? I'm going to give you a screen-the-screener in-game update right now. Right now, the number three team in the country, Indiana, is losing to Indiana-Purdue-Fort Wayne Mastodons. So you're telling me, and you're going to email the show, and please do, by the way, uh, that these predictions are crazy? Indiana's losing to Indiana-Purdue-Fort Wayne Mastodons 62-60 with 4.45 left to go in the game. That's what I'm telling you. Sports is not logical. That's why we love it. So I'll take Gonzaga, Creighton, St. Mary's, and, and I'll give you here, Gus. I'll give you my last one right now. Beautiful. Going big, big power conference, but not traditional choice. I'm going with Baylor. Ah, uh, the zone. Uh, go the zone. And, and I, I haven't always been a big Syracuse fan, but the fact is they're a tough match. We saw it last year. No yep. one thought they were making the Final Four. Zero. That was a 10 seed. Baylor. All the preseason Big 12 attention went to Kansas, a lot to Iowa State. Sure. Um, well, maybe Baylor's 17-point win over Oregon, maybe that woke America up. Scott Drew has a lot of talent. He wants to erase the demons of last year's loss to Yale. He's got Freeman back. He's got Motley back. He's yep. got Ish Wainwright back. They are talented on both ends of the, yeah, talented both ends of the floor. And the ceiling has been raised by two newcomers, one that you love that you mentioned last time, right? Junior Miami transfer, Manu LeCant, okay? Love Manu. And someone I want to talk about as much as possible on the Screen Screen podcast this year, seven-foot center Joe Luel Aquil. He sat out last year to a heart issue, um, yep, and he sure. is a major – he's got 16 blocks in three games already, okay? That's a 1-3-1 zone. That's Scott Drew. They're long. They're athletic. Manu's a great point guard. Um, he, he's averaging 35.7 minutes per game. He's going to be on the floor the whole time. They are the primary threat to Kansas going for their 13th straight Big 12 championship. Gus, Scott Drew deserves a Final Four. Athletes plus zone equals a horrific matchup. You're telling me they can't beat UNC. They can't beat Duke. They can't beat Wisconsin. Of course they can. That's my fourth Final Four team. Wow. That is an outrageous Final Four. It is so eclectic. Mike Randall, I applaud you for these unbelievably off-the-wall and off-the-radar picks, but your logic behind all four of your picks was unbelievably sound. Love all four of your picks. I love the uh, eclectic nature of all four of these picks. I'm really admiring your bold predictions. Um, The last pick that I have is um, also a traditional... Uh, blue blood. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna ride your guy, Thomas Bryant, and I'm gonna say Indiana and Crean. That's his next trick. As long as they don't play the Mastodons. <laughs> his next trick is going to be to get to the Final Four. You're 
your podcast in-game score update is not swaying me on my final four. <laughs> I am going to stick with the Hoosiers and their delicious-looking candy cane pants to make it to the final four. Um, I think they're um, kind of uh, uh, – I-, I think their flow on offense, their positionless uh, uh, offensive uh, game plan, uh, Bryant in the post and then coming out, um, I think Blackman might have a little something to prove. Uh, I think they can get there without a true point guard. Um, and maybe one will develop throughout the Big Ten season. I'm not sure. And I think when push comes to shove, I have a sneaky suspicion that they might actually win the Big Ten um, over some of the other favorites. Wow. It's, it's going to be a dogfight. But I think Indiana might be the one that comes out on the top of that pile. And then I think they might ride that momentum all the way to the final four. So I'm going to go UNC, Kentucky, Gonzaga, and Indiana. I love it. I lo- listen, Indiana, you know how impressed I am you know, with them and last year especially as well. By the way, 310 left to go. The Mastodon's up 62-60. Um, um, but, no, I, I'm with you. I think it's great. You know, when, they, when you lose the big player, the team rallies around. Uh, James Blackman, I think he's a great pick. We love Crean. We root for Crean. I, I think that's a really, really great one too. So just to recap here, folks, Gus's Final Four, the Tar Heels of North Carolina, the Wildcats of Kentucky, Gonzaga, Indiana. I'm going still with Oregon, Creighton, St. Mary's, and Baylor. Wow. Exciting. That those are those are bold final four picks. Mine are a little vanilla. Yours are very exotic. I really really am enjoying these picks. Um, a couple other dark horses that we want to throw in there, even though they're uh, off to a little bit of a struggle. We were kind of thinking about UConn throwing them in there. Um, we also really love Dayton. Uh, they've run into some injury problems. Uh, another team that we want to throw in there that falls into the same column as Gonzaga is Notre Dame, where it's kind of like this team that's been around. Uh, to the Elite Eight and the Sweet 16 the last uh, you know five or six years. Maybe this is their year to break through. And um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't just mention Kansas and your guy Frank Mason and my guy um, Josh Jackson. If yep. we don't mention those guys to get into the Final Four, I don't know who we should. Um, but So those are, the, those are the screen the screener Final Four selections. Um, please email us or hit us up on Twitter on your reaction, your like, your dislike, or maybe you just like Schmeichler, like Schmeichler, those, uh, pl- please let us know. Yeah, I, and listen, we like there's so many talented teams, folks, in the, in, the, in college basketball, um, but they're talented every year. I mean, listen, no one's more talented than Kansas, and and I, he, Gus loves um, uh, Josh Jackson. I love Frank Mason, but look at their last five years, Gus. 2012, they're the NCAA runner-up. Fantastic year, no problem. 2013, Sweet 16. 2014, round of 32, two yep. and out. 2015, round of 32, two and out. Yep. 2016, Elite Eight. So, And they've been seeded one almost every time. So the tournament yeah, is not logical. And, and a lot of what I'm saying, and Gus was saying it too with Gonzaga, you're telling me they run into a veteran small school team that's going on the road right now and challenging themselves? I mean, who's, Gonzaga's afraid of no one. Okay, they've played everybody. Um, and St. Mary's can do it too. And Creighton's going to be playing some big games against the national champion. So these picks are reasonable. Love them. Um, sounds good, man. Want to uh, you want to hit news and notes? I think we yeah. Let's go. Let's review a couple games and do some news and notes. I like it. News and notes from the hardwood. All right. So uh, let's take a look, uh, Gus, at the news and notes. What do we got? Uh, I think the first place we're going to take a peek is we're going to go and take a look uh, at Dayton versus St. Mary's. Uh, We're going to review that game really quickly and uh, just go over a couple of the highlights uh, from this and what we saw. 
Dayton does what they do. They got down early, and then they played so tough the second half and battled back and made it a two-point game with under a minute to go. This game looked like it was over, and your final four pick was dominating the first half. Um, St. Mary's is not going to go down easy to anyone this year. Um, take the Gales and the points a lot this year. So if you're looking at spreads like, and it looks like it's too close, take St. Mary's and the points a ton. Um, we want to give a special shout-out to uh, uh, one particular Gale that you mentioned earlier, Calvin Hermanson. He led the Gales in scoring in this particular game. He's put up, uh, I think, 16, and he's been shooting it great from three. Um, our guy, Charles Cook, JMU transfer from Dayton, had another solid performance against St. Mary's. He's averaging over 20 points a game. We think uh, you know Cook, along with um, uh, Jack Gibbs, um, along with E.C. Matthews, I th- we think all three of those guys are going to be in the running for uh, A-10 Player of the Year, no doubt. And uh, our guy, Emmett Narr. He's just averaging five dimes a game. You know, no big deal. Um, dropping that, dimes. Dropping dimes. Um, uh, but we we felt like that game was going to be ultra competitive. It did not look that way early on, but the final result gave us a, like a two-point game with under a minute to go. And Dayton, I think, had the ball to do something with it uh, and make it even closer than that. Uh, so they battled back and do what they do all the time, uh, get down, struggle a little bit early, and then fight and claw their way back. Uh, Archie Miller, even with Josh Cunningham out and Pollard being out for a little while, um, he's going to have that team ready to play every single time. I'm not, I'm not falling asleep on Dayton at all, and my eyes are wide open to St. Mary's, especially after your Final Four prediction. Yeah, I, I, I was fortunate to watch this game. Sometimes everyone, you know, the family goes out and you're home and, and you're putting your son down for his nap, and that's an opportunity to watch a little Dayton-St. Mary's, okay? So St. Mary's on fire early on. This was an early afternoon game in Dayton. Now listen, the Flyers did not have Kendall Pollard. They didn't have Josh Cunningham, so they were a little shorthanded. But I don't think it takes away from it because winning on the road in this game in Dayton for St. Mary's that's a statement when Dayton came back like a house of fire and St. Mary's was trying to hold on at the end. They couldn't even get the ball in bounds. The ball was stolen at one point. Then it was an offensive foul, which was an offensive foul. Um, I mean, it, it was it was a battle back and forth. And then Nar hit the two free throws to put the game away at the end. But uh, exciting game. But for them to show up, fly from California, come all the way. Okay, and then get up in Dayton and basically take it to them on a game that usually favors the home team on a Saturday early afternoon. Really impressive win. Uh, Yeah, I was impressed by them, too. And of course, Emmett Nard made his free throws at the end. I mean, what what else does he do? That's all he does is make his free throws. Great job at Emmett Nard making some big time free throws on the road in a hostile environment. Uh, I think Cincinnati and URI is worth a look. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the term that got thrown around with this one is rock fight. Yeah. Do you agree with that? <laughs> oh, such a good term. Oh, it's like what Eric Fawcett said, we all need a little more Draymond Green in us. Well, they had plenty of Draymond Green. <laughs> I, think this, I think this game embodied that little uh, comment that Eric Fawcett gave to us. Um, for URI, I think as long as Hassan Martin stays out of foul trouble – the Rams are going to be really difficult. I mean, he even showed that against Duke. He gave them issues down in the post. And, I, I mean, we talked about E.C. Matthews a little bit. and uh, But you know who else jumped off the screen? Jared Taylor. Yeah. His yep. issue. I mean, talk about a backcourt. Between he and E.C. Matthews, they can make up one of the nation's, like, I don't know, what, top five, no top, top seven, top eight backcourts in the nation. I mean, he he really, really is athletic and really – 
popped off the screen at me. Um, another guy that I kind of forgot was there is Kyle Washington, the NC State transfer. He's just what Nick Cronin ordered for the Bearcats. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's been playing with an unskilled big man who just does all that dirty work and, and sets a great pick and does great rebounding um, and, and, and will dive on the floor for you. But Kyle Washington has some real offensive skills, and he's a double-double machine. Mm-hmm. He's going to play even bigger minutes in the AAC as we get going on. So I think that, that that's something that he hasn't coached with in a really, really long time. So I'm really intrigued to see how he incorporates Kyle Washington into the, like the Cincinnati way. Um, Jacob Evans, he's just nasty. Since he's going to be much, much better than a top 10 team if he continues about 20 points a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, who do you guard? Do you guard him? Do you guard Evan? Uh, do you guard Clark on the wing? Do you guard uh, Kalpan? Do you guard Washington down in the post? Like this is the pr- this is a problem that Cincinnati has never had as long as I can remember that they have tons of offensive options. Yep. And you know Cronin is going to like you know instill that toughness, um, you know, that hard work, the you know no uh, you know uh, nose to the grindstone, just really re- you know elbow grease, any other term you want to throw in there. You know they're going to be a tough out. This is not a usual Cincinnati problem, but. I kind of can't wait now for that Cincinnati Xavier game after seeing this. I'm kind of looking forward to that game down the road because Cincinnati is going to bring some offensive weaponry that they haven't had on display in a really, really long time since we've been watching Bearcat basketball. I mean, even going all the way back to to Huggy Bear, um, this could be one of the best offensive clubs they have in a really long time. Yeah, Yeah. I got to see a little bit of this game. Um, Cincinnati, if they have chemistry, they're going to be an issue because Calpain – isn't even a top scorer right now for them. He's playing an ancillary role right now. They're going to be. He doesn't have to be. And you know, we we reference his game in the tournament in the AAC tournament last year. We went with bananas. Uh, he doesn't even need to do that right now. Yeah, it's it's so true. So they're, they're going to be tough out. URI was dead to rights. They were locking them down. They were switching the screens, boxing out one shot and done. Cincinnati played really great. URI just got scalding hot in the second half and brought it. Um, yeah. Two really good teams playing a, a really, really good game. Okay, so then we'll go to uh, – let, let's take a look at us right now at the 100 club. I mean, there's been so many teams that are scoring 100, right? What, what, what are the ones that jumped out at you? So, of course, uh, you know, West Virginia put up 100 on New Hampshire. Iowa State put up 130 on the Citadel. Uh, your guys, Creighton, put up uh, one – I think 112 on NC State, but let's go take a closer look at UCLA putting up 114 on Long Beach State. Um, So I think our uh, UCLA prognostications were kind of right on here, Um, but we left out a couple of guys. Uh, The freshman, TJ Leaf, is way better than we thought he was going to be. Seriously, yes. For real, right now he's averaging 20 and 10. Like, tell us the last guy from college basketball that averaged 20 and 10. Like, you really have to go back in the Rolodex to figure that out. Um, Thomas Welch kind of falls into the same category as Troy Copan from uh, from Cincy. He doesn't even need to do that much right now. He's like the middleman. He's doing all the dirty work, and he's still averaging 10 and 10. Um, Bryce Alford, are you ready? Ready for this? Go ahead. He's shooting 50% from the field, 50% from three. And 90% from the line. 50, 50, 90? What does that even mean? He is so worth watching right now. 
because he does not have the ball uh, handling responsibilities that he had in years past due to the next two guys that we're going to mention. <laughs> Isaac Hamilton is actually playing less minutes than he did last year, but he's averaging more points per game. Wow. That's how, nuts. How are they doing that? that uh, it's insane. This team is loaded with talent. Boy, did, did he do a good job recruiting this, Alfred. And then, uh, of course, we, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't, if we didn't mention Lonzo Ball. Man, <laughs> he, is, he just might lead the nation in assists. Yeah, I, Hoops Weiss tweeted about this team, that this team, it, it could be over 100 every single time. By the way, Gus, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell the fans that Thomas Bryant made two free throws with about 15 seconds left, and the Indiana, um, uh, Indiana-Purdue-Fort Wayne game is now in overtime. Okay. I love it. He <laughs> was OT early on. I love it. <laughs> um, so I think if somebody puts up 100, I think we'll just have a little mention for them. Uh, sometime in the podcast and uh, point out how in the world did they piece together 100 points. So now you know how UCLA pieced together 100 points. They are so worth watching. I mean, if you are not going to stay up late and watch Bill Walton announce his alma mater for the uh, Conference of Champions and listen to him reference bottlenose dolphins and sustainability, <laughs> I don't know why you're not watching West Coast Pac-12 basketball. Please tune in. It is a must-watch, people. A must-watch. Yeah, we picked up that Twitter. Somebody was making fun of him talking about that, telling him to shut up. Are you kidding? Bottlenose no. Dolphins, we want more of that. Bill, please, this come on. why we love Bill Walton. Oh, my goodness. Come on, people. Um, it just love Bill Walton. Loves what he brings to the table as an announcer and as a person. There needs to be more Bill Waltons in the world, my goodness. Um, uh, where would you like to go to next? Uh, well, you are two for two, my friend, on your fishy line. So uh, I think you have a couple more. Why don't you give it to the fans? Okay, so uh, I love these two fishy lines. That's a fishy line. First fishy line that we need to go to, we're going to get to Washington and Long Beach State. Okay. We're going to take a look at the over-under on this. The over-under is sitting around 167, 168. I'm not in love with this fishy line pick, but I'm going to say go ahead and take the over. Okay. You just referenced the UCLA game that they put up 114 points. Do you know who they played? Long Beach State. Oh, well, why wouldn't they? So let's take the over in that game, and maybe Washington approaches the century mark as well. Uh, so let's go back and take a look at that next podcast and see if that is an over. Again, not 100% in love with that fishy line pick, but if we're going to take an over and under the next couple of days, take a peek at that. And this next one, I think we both definitely, we, we pulled hard on the rod because this was really fishy, right? We got Wichita State playing LSU at LSU. Wichita State favored by 10. That is shouting at you to take LSU, which means it's unbelievably fishy. Oh, so, dear Lord. Uh, and it's because Joey Gambler, Gus, is still looking at it saying, you're giving me 10 points and it's Wichita State going to LSU. I'll take the SEC team. I would think that that's a prime example for someone to say. That's a fishy line. That's a fishy line. You got it. Very good. So I'm going to say, why, don't, why are we not taking the Shockers and the minus 10? Take the points in the Shockers. Roll with it, baby. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. Um, all right, so let, we're running out of time here. Uh, with, gosh, like you, you know all the time we could talk for three hours. So uh, why don't we go 
into New York City and go to... On Broadway. Broadway. Go to Broadway. What do we got coming up uh, on the Gobble Gobble Thanksgiving weekend, Gus, for the fans? We got three little games we want to take a quick peek at. First game, one of your final four selections, VCU at Baylor. I can't wait to watch Manu, Lacombe, and uh, Jaquan Lewis just run back at each other in the backcourt the entire game. Those two guys are like two little jitterbugs going back and forth. I I think they're going to be in each other's grill the entire time. Um, that That matchup might be worth watching alone. Um, and I think you heard the name here first. Mike Randall gave it to you. Joe Luau Akil Jr. from Baylor. Protect your neck. Um, he's going to be that fourth cog that the Bears need down uh, down low with Motley and Jefferson. Um, I, I don't know how you feel this, but I feel like a really tight game here with the Bears squeaking it out. Do you have a, do you have a feel on this, or do you have a, something that you're looking for? Yeah, I, I got Baylor winning by at least 10. Uh, I, I think mm-hmm. that VCO is going to want to run it up and down the court. I think okay. it's a contrast styles. I think Baylor has more veteran players. I think they have a point guard who can control tempo. I think VCO is going to try to beat the zone down before it can set up, and I think they're going to grab a million rebounds. So I think Baylor's win this game easy. Wow. Yep. All right. Uh, I mean, backing your final four pick. Oh, yeah, of course, right? Well, I'm going to go down with the ship, Gus. Might as well be consistent. <laughs> uh, if we're going to go contrasting styles, UVA and Iowa is another game to take a quick peek at. Peter Jock, by the way, he's averaging just about 24 points a Great game. Great player. Great player. He's playing, he's playing like an All-American. Um, London Parentes is not playing like an All-American. I'm just going to say, ugh. To that one shoot um, the ball london <laughs> come on um will uva slow down the iowa team the, this iowa team is averaging like over 90 points a game you have to love the two diverse styles here in action um and you kind of want to see which team forces their personality on the game um is it going to be the slow down uh grind it out uh, uva style or is Iowa going to get up and down and is Jock going to put up a zillion points yeah I, I that's a, that's a great we love contrasting styles it's going to be phenomenal um Virginia actually tonight routed Grambling 90 to 34 um and, and do you want to know what the halftime score was Grambling State rather you know what the halftime score was Gus yeah, give it to me. Uh, it was forty nine to nine. Okay, so Virginia Uh-oh. Virginia's defense is ready to go. Uh, yeah. That should be a really really fun game. You got a, you got one more. Two single digits in the first. <laughs> first yeah, and the last one. This is not a misprint. You are not mishearing us on Screen the Screener podcast. Northern Iowa and Xavier are going to play again. This is a, a home at home that they had scheduled previously to the tournament that they both entered. Um, uh, Christmas is, in November. This is an absolute must-watch because Xavier just beat Northern Iowa, Iowa for the Tire Pros Tourney Championship. Um, blew it in Sumner. Played like they want to be the best backcourt in the nation. Um, they put up twenty and seventeen uh, between the two of them. And remember that that big game that Jeremy Morgan had in the tournament, like he had thirty-five plus points. Well, he might play like that all season. I think he's going to be a first Valley guy, first team All Valley guy. He's just waiting, waiting for that. He's waiting for that trophy to come to his to his trophy case. He is definitely going to be that. It's a cool, unique, unusual rematch that's usually um, reserved for like something in conference. 
but it's two great teams uh, that, you know, both of us have kind of mentioned uh, with having success in the tournament and they get to play again. Um, there's a whole bunch of dynamic happening here, and it's a. I think it's a. It's a must watch. You have to put your eyes on this game at some point. Oh, it's 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 a must watch. It's tremendous. This is a great idea. There've been some great matchups the beginning of the year between big teams, which gets people interested. And doing things like this, two big time teams that are trying to get on the map, doing a home and home, is a fantastic idea. If you have the team that lost and they happen to be coming home the second time, people are going to pack the gym. They're going to be excited. I think this game is Saturday. I think it's a Saturday game. Uh, yeah. A must-watch. This is a bonanza. I will be all over this game. Blewett, Sumner, Northern Iowa, the whole thing. I cannot wait. Cannot wait for this game. Okay. Uh, how about we get to a few emails from some of our listeners? All right, let's let's get those passionate emails going. Do we have anything from King Mark from Florida? Uh, we might get to him in a second. The first, uh, first email is, hey, Gus and Mike, was looking to get your opinion about Duke. Uh, this program has historically thrived on small ball, and now with a roster that averages close to six eight, how do you think they'll? How do you think they will fare? Will Coach K be able to adjust his coaching style? Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work, uh, Paul from the Garden State. Uh, that Paul from the Garden State, a loyal listener. Great question. I'll go first here. I, I don't think it's going to be a problem at all. I, I think he's going to have to coach a little differently. Uh, he's got to you know mesh the the Grayson Allen and and the veteran players, the Matt Jones with the youngsters. But, I, you know, the, the, the guy's as good as he comes. He may be the best of all time. Um, he's right up there with John Wooden. So I don't think he'll have a problem. But I do think you're going to see a different brand of basketball from Duke, which is exciting. Uh, but no one, you know, you can't argue with the results. And I'm sure Coach K will figure it out. But I think it will be different. I think it bears watching. It's a good, a good email. Paul from the Garden State. Uh, I'll answer this very succinctly. Coach K was able to figure out with Team USA – and the size or lack of size uh, with the pros, I don't think this is going to be any different. I think he's going to mix and match game to game, half to half, and figure it out. Uh, I don't think he's going to have any problems. I think he's enjoying having the problem of not being having, not relying on playing small ball to win games. Um, I think it's going to be a, a real simple solve for him. Uh, next email is from Lou in Queens, New York. <laughs> All right, Queens. And he, he asks, hey, guys, as mentioned on your podcast, the Wisconsin players have been very vocal about their political beliefs. And there is a great article in uh, last week's New York Times. Do you think their actions could possibly impact their NBA draft prospects? Uh, I'll take this one first. And I'm going to say absolutely not. If it impacts it anyway, it's going to positively impact it to bring more attention to their play. Um, the NBA is a results business. If you can shoot it, if you can defend, if you have a high motor, um, if you can rebound, if you have a unique skill set, you'll have a job. If you don't, you'll be in the D-League. So I think what it's going to do is just allow NBA scouts to take a closer look at all the Wisconsin players, you know, Koning, Hayes, and Happ, and whoever else might be uh, sitting on the bench waiting their turn. Um, so I think, if anything, it's just going to bring some more eyes to them and let NBA scouts make a more informed decision on their draft prospects. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Talent trumps all, okay? And we're not talking about a situation like um, in the NFL with Ray Rice, right, where um, he's been trying to get back in the league, but he really – no one's going to take a chance on him because, of course, the horrific situation that occurred. But, um, you know, they're speaking out. They're speaking their mind um, on issues that are, are, are you know, generally – you know, support it. It's not like it's anything massively against the grain. 
I do have to be a realist, though. I mean, if you're telling me that they don't have a great season and, you know, Nigel Hayes keeps settling for those jumpers and Katie tries to go one-on-one a little bit too much I've seen recently, if it's close, you don't think that's going to play a factor? It could. It could just because they could be like, listen, if the guy's not going to participate, do we want them making statements when they're really not playing as much? I mean, that's an unfortunate part of the business aspect. Sure. I, I think that their play will speak for themselves. So I don't see it as an issue. I only see it as an issue if they ended up not playing well, which again goes back to their talent. Correct. Um, and by the way, I mean, if they get to the interview process, like obviously uh, Coning and Hayes would kill yeah. in the interview process because they're so well-spoken. I mean, no that that's a huge advantage for them. Uh, next email. It is directed just to Gus. I'm a little bit honored. Go for it. I can sit back and relax. Excellent. So it says Gus. If you had to pick the five players that you think will be the highest scorers in this year's NCAA tournament, who would they be? Thanks. Love your stuff from King Mark in Florida. There it is. (laughs) All right, King Mark. I can't believe you're asking me to look four months into the future, but here it is. Five guys, huh, King Mark? Here are my five guys. Let's start with Malik Monk from Kentucky. Let's just say, you know, he makes seven three-pointers in that second-round game and then makes five in the next. I think he's going to fill it up for Kentucky. He's going to be the big-time scorer. I picked him to go to the Final Four again. He's going to light it up. Next guy I love. Loved him all last year. Love him this year. I had him on my second-team All-American, Joel Berry from UNC. I also have them in my Final Four, and I think he will be the leading scorer. We mentioned my third choice while we were talking about the teams that scored 100 points. Let's throw Bryce Alford in there. Since they're putting up so many points, what if they just make the Sweet 16 and score 90-90-90, and he scores 30-30-30? That's a lot of points. Here's a couple of other guys that you may not be thinking about. How about VJ Beecham from Notre Dame? Um, Definite NBA skill set. If you did not see his dunk... Uh, that occurred today uh, against uh, <laughs> uh, who, are they, who are they playing today? I'm kind of forgetting right now. Um, but please go back and take a look at the highlights. I'm sure it was a Sports Center top ten or something like that. Um, I'm also going to give you Thomas Bryant from Indiana due to his diverse skills. He's going to be an impossible guard if you uh, try to body him up. He'll just take down to the block if you put um, uh, if he's if you uh, Put somebody that think is going to muscle him up. He'll take him out and shoot a three. And my bonus one, I got one bonus for you. So I have Malik Monk, got Joel Berry, Bryce Alford, VJ Beecham, Thomas Bryant. Here's a little off the radar. How about Jalen Adams from UConn? Good one. What if they had to make a run and he puts up 30, 30, and 30? Totally possible. There are my five guys for you, King Mark from Florida. Great question. Happy to answer it. Uh, how about we get one more from our listeners and – The last one is from Rob in New Jersey. He says, guys, during the Pac-12 China game, Bill Walton, we love Bill Walton, identified the Ivy League as the sixth best conference in the nation. Does Screen the Screener care to comment? Is the Ivy better than the Missouri Valley? Are they really up there with the Power Five? Uh, What will early season independent matchups tell us? Harvard lost to Stanford, Princeton lost to BYU, but Yale beat University of Washington. 
Uh, Rob, great question. Here's a little breakdown for you. I don't think they're the sixth best, but maybe we can find their position in the top ten. You ready? At the WCC, both Mike and I selected Gonzaga and St. Mary's for our final four, so we're going to put them ahead. Um, the Missouri Valley, I'm going to say they might be even with them, even though Northern Iowa and Wichita are perennial uh, mid-major powers. Uh, the Mountain West, they might have a leg up on the Mountain West due to Mexico having a little bit of a down uh, season last year, and the prognostications for them this year are not as strong. How about, uh, how about the American Conference? You got UConn, you got Cincy, uh, SMU, Temple, Houston, uh, UCF with Johnny Dawkins. So maybe not ahead of them. And the A-10, no way. You got Davidson, Dayton, VCU, URI, you got Joes, you got St. Louis, um, you got the Bonnies. Um, and how about maybe they're even with how about this one? It's a little wild card for you here. How about the Atlantic Sun with North Florida and Florida Gulf Coast? So I'm going to say, how about we put the Ivy maybe eight or nine, but definitely not sixth. Yeah, that, that that's a that's a great great question. Um, and and if you look at last year, right? So uh, teams that got one bid, the WCC uh, WCC got two, the WAC got one, the SWAC got one, Sun Belt Summits, you know, Southern Southland. I, I, I'm with you guys. I, I don't think it's six. Okay, um, the American got three. I guess the key is this: when the, when the Ivy gets two, we'll start talking, and that could be this year, right? That, that could totally be this year. But when they get um, when they get two, we'll start talking. And and but I think it's a really fair question. I think it's coming. I really do. Um, but like I agree, a ten, no chance. Um, you know, and from there. But it's 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 a worthwhile question. Uh, would you like a screen the screener update? Uh, yes, please. Do we have an over, overtime update? We have a final in overtime. Indiana 68. Indiana, Purdue, Fort Wayne 71. The, oh mast- the Mastodons with the win. So, uh, boy, what a perfect way to end this up, uh, folks. Thanks for staying with us. We're going to have to watch that game on tape. But I guess uh, King Mark from Florida will be sending an uh-oh to the Indiana fans, right? <laughs> because they can't be going to the Final Four. They just lost to the Mastodons. Okay, so that's fine. Sounds appropriate. All right. Uh, All right. Listen, uh, yeah, everybody, thank you so much um, for everything. We're, we're wrapping up here. Uh, Gus and I certainly want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Um, we're, we're thankful that you're listening to us. We're thankful that you're taking time to download us and rate us and, and follow us on Twitter. Uh, we love doing this. We will come back strong, of course, Gus, um, after the Thanksgiving holiday. So any thank yous you want to give out to anyone? Yeah, we, of course, want to thank the, uh, the Screen the Screener technology department. Technology for- Uh, helping out with the interviews and getting this podcast into your ears uh, each broadcast. We want to give another quick thank you to our intro, outro music, Bell Jar. Thank you so much for hooking us up and uh, getting everybody in the right frame of mind. Please search them, B-E-L-J-A-R, on iTunes. If you want to check out the rest of their catalog, please do dive in. And we want to say thank you to the listeners. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for finding us. Thank you for discovering us, and thank you for tuning back in after all that happens. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We are, we are very, very gracious, and we appreciate your attention. 
Uh, I hear the music, Gus, so I guess we're headed out. A happy Thanksgiving, my friend, to your family. I mean, I can't think of a, a better way to, to, to come into Thanksgiving. Thomas Bryan, two free throws to go to overtime. Um, Bryson Scott for the Mastodons with 18. And oh, by the way, OG Ananobi with zero points. Yes, that's why we love college basketball right there. All right, Screen the Screener podcast, everyone. Thanks so much. We'll see you after Thanksgiving. Have a great holiday. So long, everyone.